if you do have any questions, uh, I am more than willing to try to answer those. Um, and I've got something set up. We're going to talk about device control tonight, and we've got a lot of stuff to get to. And I did want to make sure that you understood that, uh, that activedigitalparenting.com will take you to my personal website, but also I made a webpage just for you tonight. So if you go to chadl.co slash Winchester, you will see this presentation as well as other resources and links to different PDFs and things like that on this webpage. And I'll make this available and you can put this in your bulletin or anything like that. Uh, again, this presentation that I'm doing with all the information that I'm going to be sharing tonight is going to be on that webpage. Um, so a quick review, uh, what we're going to talk about tonight. The first week we talked about why why we should be paying attention. Why we should actually, as parents and as grandparents, be paying attention to these things. I just talked to somebody this afternoon, a youth minister in Clarksville. He, um, he had a problem with one of his students looking at pornography, and the parents had no idea that it was happening. And I don't think that you would believe how easy it is for kids to find the things that they shouldn't find and how naive us as parents are sometimes, because we're analog parents raising these digital kids. And we just don't think about it. It doesn't cross our minds sometimes. And so this whole uh, workshop that I do in, uh, normally in self-contained manner, but here over three weeks, uh, has been very, very valuable for several, amount of, uh, several people, and they've told me so, and it has been just a blessing to be able to share all this with you. So week one, we talked about why you should be paying attention. Last week, we talked about social media and what we're up against. Most social media, most of the things and the companies and the services and the apps and the games and all these things that our kids use, even that we use, most of those things, most of those companies do not have your child's best interests at heart. They don't. They want to make it more addictive. They want them to come back. They want to hook them just like they do us adults, but there are special companies that are targeting your kids. We need to understand that as parents. We need to guard our kids against that. Tonight, we're going to be talking about how. We got the why, we got the what. We got the why, what we, why should we should be paying attention. We've got the what and what it is we're up against. But tonight, we're going to be talking about how the tools you can use to protect your children better. I want to reference Psalm 127.1 again. I referenced this the first week that I talked, and it's kind of the banner scripture that I use when I'm talking about digital parenting. Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, or the builders labor in vain. Basically, what I was saying that first week was that if we don't think about digital parenting, if we don't think about parenting children on their devices, then we've left out a very crucial part of our homes. We've left out a very crucial part. You don't leave out a crucial part when you're building a physical home. You don't leave out those things. And if we do leave these things out, we're doing it in vain. We're doing it and we're wasting our time. But there's a second part to this scripture that says this, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand to watch in vain. I think that speaks to the fact that not only we should be concerned, we should be paying attention, we should be, make digital parenting just as important as all of the other aspects of our parenting, but we should also do what we are able to do to protect our children. We have to be the guards watching over the city. We have to be the protectors that are standing over them, making sure 
but they don't do, we do it in every other aspect of kids growing up. We don't let them go certain places. We maybe don't even let them hang out with certain people. Are we doing that in a digital way? Because that's where our kids are living their lives. So we need to make sure that we're doing that because it's up to us to guard our children and protect them. Nobody else is going to do it. It's up to us. We're going to have teachers. We're going to have ministers. We're going to have church members that are going to help us in that. But ultimately, that job comes down to us as our children's parents to protect them. We have to understand that. So you may walk into, when we're talking about all this stuff, there's a lot of different angles that you can take. And so I like to begin with basics when we talk about the tools. We're going to talk about the tools, and we're going to talk about the comparisons of what each kind of operating system, what each kind of uh, app and service that you can use tonight, and I have a list of several. And again, that website will be a good reference for you tonight. But We've got a lot of information to go to, and I've got about, I've only got till was it 10 p.m., Joseph, you said? Okay, so we'll only be here till 10, so it's fine. Um, no, I've, only, I've really only got about 30 minutes from now, so we've got to get some of this ready. But what you may not realize, and what a lot of people really don't realize, is that these companies, Apple, Google, and Android, especially Apple and Google, they have very different ways of thinking about parenting on digital devices. They have very different ideas about parental controls on devices. Now, I'm not saying that either one of them are wrong. In fact, I got a little comparison up here because Apple tends to be less open. They're a little bit more closed off. They don't like you messing with a bunch of stuff on their devices. They don't like you changing stuff around. Google doesn't care sometimes. In fact, if the the Google-branded phones, the Nexus phones, the Pixel phones that you may see, uh, they are very, very open. They run the most vanilla type of operating system, and you can do a lot of customization to it. So Google invites you to get parental settings in other apps. Apple is content to have parental settings on the device. So there's very different philosophies here. You may walk into a, a Verizon or an AT&T store and see all these phones and think, well, they're all the same. But you have to understand that Google and Apple have very different philosophies when it comes to specifically parental controls. Now, do I recommend one platform over the other? No, I do not. What I do recommend, and I wrote this down because I wanted to make sure that I said this correctly, but you need to make sure that if, it's, if you are on one platform, so whatever platform you and your family are currently on, one, you stay on that, and two, the platform that you're most familiar with. If you've been an iPhone family for years, no reason to change. If you've been an Android family for years, no reason to change. In fact, Apple has a little bit of an, a, an advantage, I believe, because they have certain things. Every kind of settings is going to look the same on every iOS device. So you're not going to even have, if it's running the same version of iOS, you're going to have the same kind of settings on an iPad, on an iPhone, on an iPod Touch that you would have anywhere else. And so you're going to need to make sure, and that's very easy, when you get into Samsung phones, LG phones, uh, Huawei phones, all these other different brands, they've got their own kind of settings, they've got their own kind of stuff, and it kind of gets a little bit confusing. So if you're on Android, I would encourage you to either stay on Android and get the same brand phones, if possible. Okay? I put Amazon in there because Amazon has become, suddenly, a major player. Because they sold more Kindle Fire devices at Christmas last year than they sold in the first five years they've been making Kindle Fire devices. And so the allure for that is that you've got um, 
cheap devices that are good for very young children. If you've got children that are two, ages two to about eight, two to about ten or so, those Kindle Fire devices are really good if you couple them with the, Kim, uh, the uh, let me make sure I can say it correctly, the Amazon, um, the Kindle Fire um, excuse me, Amazon free time service that we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes. You may already be aware of that. So, as we talk about these different platforms, know first and foremost that they are different and they have different philosophies. Um, A couple of things to realize as well, before you start in on these parental controls and using these apps and services, because you can use all these apps and services to your heart's content, but if you don't think about some of these things first, you need to make sure. Now, I don't want to call any of our kids um, evil or deceptive or anything, but I have found out that kids have it. There's black markets in high schools going around where they will buy devices that are broken, that are outdated. They'll buy them for 10, 20, 30 bucks, and they'll use those devices instead of their device that you pay for to get on apps and services that you haven't approved them to do. It kind of shocked me when I, I went to Broad Street Church of Christ in Lexington, over in Lexington, Tennessee, and I found out that there was a bit, this was a huge problem at Lexington High School. And I had no idea that kids were even doing this type of thing. It may be happening here, it may not be happening here. But regardless, you need to ask your children, if you suspect any of that stuff, you need to say, is there another device that I don't know about? And with some of the tools that I'm going to talk to you about, there is Wi-Fi systems that you can get put in your house that you may already actually have that you can use an app on your phone to figure out, oh, what's this device? I don't know what this device is that's on my Wi-Fi, and I can block the Internet from it. So we're going to talk about those services as well. So make sure your child doesn't have another device that they're using that you don't know about because that, is, that defeats the purpose of all the things that we're talking about tonight. Make sure your child knows not to sign into someone else's iCloud or Google Play account. That is always bad news because the iCloud and the Google accounts for the respective phone platforms, they control everything about that phone. The iCloud account controls everything about that phone. And when you sign into somebody else's account, you have access to all their purchases, but most importantly, you have access to their credit card. Case in point, one of the kids in the youth group at Graymere found out that they could sign into somebody else's account and download free apps. Apps that the other person had purchased, but they didn't purchase so they could get them on their phone and then sign back into their account, right? They thought they discovered the perfect loophole until they forgot to sign out. And the mother got a $400 bill from Apple and she had to figure it all out. Turns out they had signed into each other's account. You don't want that to happen. So make sure that they don't sign into the account. Now, if you have restrictions set, which we're going to talk about here in just a second, they won't be able to sign in and out of those accounts. Uh, my little son is, is six years old, and I live in fear every day that he's going to figure out our passwords for stuff. <laughs> he's incredibly smart. And I know, though, I have all these restrictions set in place that he couldn't buy anything if he tried to because it's on our combined iCloud, iCloud account. So just make sure that happens as well. And then the last one is kind of one of those obvious statements. Make sure that you have parental controls or restrictions or both set on whatever device your child uses. Even if they they use multiple devices, you need to make sure that you have parental controls set on all of those as well. Okay? So let's keep moving on. We don't have a lot of time. What I propose uh, most of the time for parents is kind of a three- wall approach. You have these three walls in place. 
This is a, a strategy that you need to develop on multiple levels to be able to protect your children. And don't worry, I'm going to talk about everything on this, on this uh, screen here. The first wall, and I've got a lot of options for this, but you really only need one option. And that is a filter on your physical Wi-Fi at home. Okay? You don't have to buy one of these special newfangled routers. You can use something called OpenDNS, which we'll talk about in a moment that's free and completely open, and it's an automatic filter for everything, internet, outgoing, and incoming traffic that comes through your home Wi-Fi router. The beauty of OpenDNS, and we'll talk about it here in a second, is that you can put it on each individual device as well. It's a matter of changing some settings. OpenDNS.com teaches you how to do that. And voila, you've got an internet filter on every device that your child uses no matter where they go, even if they're at home. We'll get into that here in just a minute. But there's several other services. So I propose wall one being a filter, a firewall that's set up on your physical device at home. That second wall is an, an app, a third-party app or service of some type that you use and possibly pay a monthly fee for, which they're very inexpensive, that you can use to set up these things and to monitor your child's usage, to be that watchtower, to be that guard over them like Psalm 127.1 says. You can use those third-party apps and services to do that. Every third-party app and service that I will mention today is both on iOS and Android. So they're on both platforms. The third wall is probably the most time-consuming and frustrating. And that is app-by-app -app audits. That's going through every app that you allow your kids to use and going and looking at the parental control settings. You go to Netflix, you go to YouTube, you go to Facebook, you go to Snapchat, you go to whatever, and you app-by-app -app audit those things. This gives you a kind of a three-pronged approach, three walls that are in place so that you can be, like we talked about last week, proactive in your approach versus reactive on some of this digital parenting stuff. Okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to have a, a question and answer period afterwards. If you have a question, usually I stop for questions every time I go to a different slide. We simply just don't have time to do that tonight. So afterwards, if you have any questions at all, if you have a question that you don't want to necessarily ask me, you can actually ask it on my website at that web address I gave you before, okay? Just to keep you aware. So this is the three-walled approach that I propose. Now, when we first talk about filters, wall one is filters. We talk about open DNS, and you can, again, these slides are on that web address that I gave you before. Open DNS is a firewall for your home Wi-Fi, and it's a personal firewall on each device. So what you do is you set it up on your home Wi-Fi, but then you can go to your iPhone, your iPad, all your other iPhones in the house, and set those up individually for open DNS, and all you're getting is a filter. Uh, that's built right into the device. OpenDNS stands for Open Domain Name System. I don't know why it's called Domain Name System. That's just what they call it. That's just what DNS stands for. So it protects all incoming and outgoing traffic, and there's lots of free tiers. You can use this as much as you want, and it, will be, it won't cost you a dime. The church, uh, Graymere, that I work for, uses it. I use it at home. We will use it probably for as long as it's around. And it's been around for a very long time. It's been around for almost 20 years. Okay? So when we look at that, it's, uh, there's plenty of free tiers. But if you pay them $20 a year, not a month, but a year, you get access to a whole lot of other features. They will send you a report of what every device, what every device visited, all the URLs, all the app store URLs, all the things that was clicked. It will send you a list of that to your email every week. 
Uh, they will give you a history for that. They'll give you whitelist mode, which means you can say that's not all filters are perfect, and you can say, well, that website is okay, and you can whitelist it. So it gives you a couple of other decent features as well, and you can just have one more avenue to monitor your kits. Okay? All right, let's keep moving on here. Uh, one that I have really, that parents have told me a lot about that has worked really well for them, and it has a really simple interface and setup is called Circle. And it says, with Disney. I don't understand what Disney has to do with this or whatever, and I don't know that I'm fully comfortable with Disney being my home Wi-Fi service, but this is a physical home Wi-Fi device that replaces your router. And you'll see these, this sentence right here a lot for all of these services. You can set time limits on apps. You can filter websites. You can schedule internet access. You can schedule bedtimes. You can shut off internet to certain devices. You can do all sorts of different things. And that goes for a lot of the services that I'm going to talk about. But it's got a very simple interface. And that's one thing that really sells this app. It's really easy to use because you've got it all controlled on your phone. And it's very easy to use. The Circle Go service is a lot like OpenDNS. You can put it on each individual phone, and it will actually protect them when you're not at home using home Wi-Fi. Even when they're on LTE, when they're out at the mall or at school or whatever, you can still monitor what they're doing. This doesn't necessarily honor uh, you talk about um, what, how much time they used different things, using apps and services and different things. But especially on the iPhone, when the iPhone, uh, the new iOS 12 comes out, uh, probably next month, maybe in October, you're going to have something called uh, free time that's on there that will actually tell you what apps you used uh, and how long you used them for. And it should be, should be fairly eye-opening for a lot of us uh, to see, especially maybe us adults who think well, we don't spend a lot of time on our phones, but it will actually show us exactly what time we spent looking at on the screen. And so this is a good, good uh, service as well. It's just one of these filters that we can use. This is a physical device, though, that you can buy for $99. It's a one-time fee. Um, then I put up there something. If you don't like the idea of Disney uh, having that control and having that ease of use on that thing, there are other ease of use uh, router systems out there as well. My rule for a home Wi-Fi router is that if you can't remember the last time you replaced your home Wi-Fi router, it's time to replace your home Wi-Fi router. Okay? And so these are not cheap but they are incredibly good. They're going to drastically improve the internet coverage, the Wi-Fi coverage in your home. They're going to probably give you much better speed, and you're going to be able to have a lot of um, access privileges for these Wi-Fi systems. You're going to have a lot more control over these Wi-Fi systems. So Eero is the one that I picked out. You can, it's a home Wi-Fi device. It's a little bitty puck-sized device that will hook up to your internet at home. And you can get faster speeds. It expands your network. You can pause internet uh, access for any device. You can schedule access. You can see every single device that's accessed on your uh, home network. So if your child is trying to deceive you and trying to use another device that you don't know about, you'll see it. Same goes for Orbi and Plume. They have very similar kinds of setups, very similar kinds of systems. They create what is called a Wi-Fi mesh network that is supposed to cover your house a whole lot better than your existing Wi-Fi router. They're very easy to set up, especially Eero itself. Um, again, not cheap, but you won't have to replace your Wi-Fi router for 10 years on this. Okay? All right, so let's move on. 
this is going into kind of wall number two, which is applications that you should use uh, on this second wall. Okay, so when we're looking at this, we're looking at uh, one called OurPact.com. And uh, you can use, I've heard so many good things about this um, app. Has anybody heard of this app? Anybody, any parents raise their hand? I've usually always, at least one person hears about it, but it's, this is a very, very good app that people have used. And this does a lot of the features that some of the internet stuff that before that I was talking about. But you can block the internet, you can block app usage, you can grant device usage, all these things on the screen. Schedule it, block texting, that's a big deal because texting sometimes is a big deal. Uh, and especially on iOS devices because texting is so hard to manage on iOS devices because it's usually used through iMessage. And so uh, this actually will be able to block texting at the touch of a button. And what you'll do is you'll set it up on their phone, set it up on your phone, connect the two, and I think it's uh, what it says right here. It's $1.99 a month. Premium gets you an unlimited amount of users. You can put it on an unlimited amount of devices, and it's 7 bucks a month. When we talk about these things and the nickel and dime you to death every month for these things. It's like, oh, here we go. It's one more thing i got to pay for. I always tell parents this. I had one parent come up to me uh, one time and say, I'm not paying for anything. I'm just going to use the free services. Well, for one, there's really no such thing as a free service. You're paying for it somehow. Uh, you just may not be aware of it. You're not paying for it with money. But I said, with all these services, you're paying for this service. They're not going to take your data. They're not going to sell it to another company. They're not going to do anything bad with it. They're not going to give it to Google. They're not going to give it to your internet service provider. They're not going to give it to anybody else. They're going to treat your data with respect. Also, I put this kind of out there, and I kind of guilt parents into that say this, well, I don't want to pay for something else. How much would you pay if something bad happened to your child on one of these devices? How much would you pay to just erase that? How much would you pay to make that go away? If there was a, a photo that was shared of your child that was completely inappropriate that a boyfriend or a girlfriend used because they were angry that that person broke up with them and they put it on all the lockers, they taped it to all the lockers in the school because it was a Snapchat message that they sent. Yes, that actually has happened. How much would you pay to not have that happen? And so I say, is it worth a McDonald's Happy Meal every month for you to pay for one of these services that you find incredibly valuable that is able to monitor and protect your children, okay? All right, let's keep moving. Life360 is one of the best apps that you can get for drivers. Does anybody know about Life360? Okay, there's several that know about that, thank goodness. And Do you all, do you all like it? Do you hate it? <laughs> it's like, eh, there's one lady, just, I don't know. Um, it is like I find my iPhone on steroids is what people have told me. I have used the app very limited uh, because I don't want to pay for it because I don't have drivers in my house yet. But it's very, very good because it gives you detailed location tracking of your child. Find my iPhone is on every iOS device. But it doesn't exactly give you a ton of uh, data behind that. It just kind of tells them where, you're at, where they're at within about 50 feet. And sometimes it's delayed, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. This is rock solid. It works all the time. It gives you a location history of where they have been. It's kind of like having LoJack on their phone, which is great. And crime alerts, which is actually really neat. I had an instance that a parent told me about with this. They let their 18-year-old uh, go to a concert at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. 
and there was a robbery down the street. When it happened, it alerted their phone, it alerted the parents' phone, and then they were able to say, well, don't, obviously don't go that way when you leave the concert. And so it's got these local crime alerts, and it actually does work, which is very, very neat. Okay? So if you're ever concerned about your child being out and about, especially in a big city, then you'll know that at least they have local crime alerts when this app is activated. There's driver monitoring, obviously, with some roadside assistance. You get a free seven-day trial of plus. I think it's $6 a month for this application. And so there's a lot of other services that I could tell you about that do these similar things, but this one is probably the best at it. Okay? So this is Life360. Uh, when we start talking about uh, the Kindle Fire devices, uh, there is a really good um, app and service that you can use through Amazon called Kindle Free Time Unlimited. And it's only for Kindle Fire devices. It doesn't work on Google phones, doesn't work on iOS, but it's really good for young kids with uh, Kindle Fire devices. They even have a learn first and play later feature. Uh, my six-year-old does not like this because when he gets that little tablet, he wants to do whatever he wants to do. Well, this learn first, play later thing, I can set it for four, five, six minutes, and he has to do some math, or he has to read before it lets him go watch videos, Utimu Mizumi or something, right? And so it's really, really valuable for that. Uh, it gives you what, it's, it's a totally separate and restricted app list. It's like a whole different screen. It doesn't even look like a regular Kindle Fire. It limits all of their websites. It limits all of their apps and videos. YouTube Kids does not work and does, is not available on Kindle Fire devices, and that's a good thing because YouTube Kids is kind of terrible. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to YouTube here in just a little bit, but YouTube Kids is kind of terrible. The great thing about Amazon Free Time Unlimited is that you can log into your Amazon account and get a detailed report of what and how long your child spent on doing anything. I could pull it up right now and look at what Jacob has done on the Kindle Fire this afternoon. And I wasn't even at home this afternoon. And so it's really, really fantastic. Again, it's for younger kids. So if you have younger kids, this is really kind of for them. But those devices, those Kindle Fire devices are so cheap and so uh, expendable. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars. You can buy one for 50 bucks. Um, it's $2.99 a month per child. And you can just do a family account if you have three or four little kids for $7 a month. But we do this. We have Kindle Fire devices. I can attest to you, this is pretty great for young kids. Okay? If you're a grandparent and you want to have a devices for your kids to use and you don't want to have to worry about very much, you don't want to put filters on your Wi-Fi, you don't want to do any of this other stuff, get them Kindle Fire devices, pay the $6.99 a month, and you won't have to worry about much of anything with those devices if they're restricted to those devices. Okay? And they're cheap. All right. Let's talk about two of the biggest players and two of the biggest offenders with both terrible and not-so-terrible parental controls, okay? And I picked out YouTube and Netflix. You can pick out any number of other services that we can talk about. We can pick out all sorts of social networks, all sorts of different things to pick on, but I picked on these because this is where kids are at. Kids would rather watch YouTube and watch stuff on YouTube than anywhere else. And where would you go to watch that but the YouTube app? right? Let's talk about the first one before, and that's Netflix. Netflix has actually announced a couple months ago that they will be revamping their parental controls. They're going to give you a lot more control over a lot more different areas of the app. 
So what happens when you try to select parental controls in Netflix? You go up to Netflix here. This is a screenshot from the iPad app. If you go to the iPad app and you hit app settings and parental controls, it's going to kick you out to Safari, going to kick you out to the browser here. And you're going to have to put in your parental control pin, and you're going to have to pick which level that you want that account to be associated with. And so if you don't have this set, obviously this is what you need to set if you allow your kids to use Netflix. It's based upon each sub-account. If you go up to the right, top right-hand corner there, you can see my little account icon, uh, the thing with the sunglasses. And so that is good for every sub-account there, and you can pin protect it. Um, if you have a pin code protection on there, you can actually change that, and your kids won't know the pin code, so they can't change it back to what they want. But the problem here is this red boxed area that I kind of put the, the, the arrow next to. You've got little kids, you've got older kids, you've got teens, and then you've got adults. And obviously, I don't even have mine set to adults because it says it's rated R, TVMA, NC-17, unrated. Obviously, you don't want your kids watching any of that stuff. But where it gets really kind of murky is when you get to teens because you've got teens, which is TV-14 and PG-13. Um, I don't know if you've seen many PG-13 movies lately, but some of them are just as bad. They were almost equivalent to the rated R movies back 20 years ago. It's like they've just shifted upward for some reason. So you need to be very, very cognizant of what is happening with these ranking structures. Uh, you know, Netflix has, has announced and understood that parents are not really happy with this ranking structure. And so hopefully changes are coming, but this is the way that it stands right now. So if you have a kid under 18 in your home, I can't even recommend anything other past older kids. And that's severely limiting because you're looking at TVY7, TVPG, and parental guidance, just PG. That really limits the scope on what they can watch because there's a lot of stuff rated PG-13 that they might want to see. So, again, that is up to your preference as a parent, what you want your kids to be able to see and what you don't want them to see. The case in point is, if you were to put last summer up to teens for your 14, 15, 16-year-olds. The first thing that your kids would have seen when they opened that iPad app or they opened the app on the Apple TV or wherever they were watching it on the TV, the first thing that would have popped up was 13 Reasons Why. Now, if you know what I'm talking about, that show was a really big deal last summer because it dealt with um, suicide. It dealt with um, basically the, the whole plot of the whole first season was a kid that committed suicide and was trying to glorify that as a means of escape or a means of being some type of hero because he committed suicide. I don't know about you, but I don't want my boys at age 13, 15, or 17 seeing that type of thing. I don't want them to know that or think that suicide is okay because it's not. And so that prime example is why I can't recommend that teen rating there for any type of person that's under age 18 or 21 for that matter. So be very, very cautious and go back to the app. When you set these settings, go back to the app and act like you're your kids and see what you could use. See what is going to be viewed and what they, uh, Netflix allows to kind of come through their system and come through their filter. Uh, you need to make sure that you're looking at all of these things. Okay? All right.
Let's move on to YouTube. YouTube is the YouTube app. Let me, let me rephrase that. The YouTube app is a problem. Okay? This is a screenshot from the settings screen. All I had to do was go up to my little icon. It's got that little C up there. I go to that little icon. I go to the settings screen. I scroll about halfway down through there, and it says privacy. There's a number of settings right there that you can see why it would cause a problem. Because you've got little, those little switches, right? And it says clear watch history, pause watch history, clear search history, and pause search history. Now, I may be giving the kids in the audience some, some bad ideas here, but whoever designed this was not thinking about kids. Was not thinking about because this is deliberately engineered so that anybody, not just kids, but anybody can hide internet usage or YouTube videos that are viewed from parents, from coworkers, from um, schools, any of that type of thing. So, I actually am encouraging parents until YouTube fixes some of this because this is not password protected. You don't have to put in a pin code for this. You don't have to do anything to get to this. You just tap and go. What I'm recommending to parents is that you use a safe browser. You use a, um, a protected browser, and there's a number of them on the App Store. Uh, four parents, actually number four parents, I don't have this on the screen, but I just thought about it, has something called the SpinSafe browser, and it's a browser with a built-in filter. What I'm telling parents is instead of letting your kids have the YouTube app on their phone or their iPads, let them go through the browser to watch YouTube videos. It's not as fun, and it's not as, it doesn't work as good, and, it's, and it doesn't look as pretty, and it doesn't work as well, but they'll still get to watch videos as long as the internet filter lets them through because that kicks them out through the browser. Everybody understand what I'm saying with that? The app lets you pause and clear search history, and you cannot trace what has been watched most times. Because if they find the screen, if they go to the screen, they do these things, if they're being intentionally deceitful, then you won't be able to trace what they have been watching. And you need to be asking, and you need to be looking at the watch history of what videos your children have watched. That's why I don't necessarily recommend Snapchat or Instagram, is because Instagram even has Instagram TV now. That you, It's a little button on there that you can watch you know, long-form videos in portrait mode, which makes no sense to me, but you can watch long-form portrait videos, and you can't really trace what's been watched because there's no history behind that. And so YouTube is a big deal for kids. I would recommend going through the browser for that, especially if you have something like OpenDNS or one of those uh, Internet filters in place in your home. Then you won't have to worry if they're just using Safari. You, they can just, it'll filter it automatically. Okay? I got a lot of deer. I always get deer in the headlights looks at this point. I'm like, people are like yawning. They're like sitting there, mm-hmm, I don't know what he's talking about, but I'm just going to keep listening, things like that. So y'all good? Everybody Okay. I know it's an overload of information. We got about, it looks like we got about eight more minutes here, okay? Um, this is kind of iOS 11 and later, kind of a cheat sheet for settings in iOS. One of the first things you're going to want to do if you do not have restrictions set on an iOS device is go to settings, general, and restrictions. You can set a passcode then right there, number two, that is independent, very important, that is independent from the device's passcode. Um, you want a passcode on restrictions that obviously your child doesn't know. 
Because if they know the passcode, that they can go in, they can change all the settings, they can do whatever they want. But if you have restrictions in place, and I would invite you to go into your, we don't have time tonight, but you can go into that app. It is not a computer from 1998. It doesn't run Windows. You are not going to break it, okay? Start flipping switches. Start changing settings and get that phone exactly how you want it for your children. Um, and so you can go through there and dig deep into some of those settings. You can add your own fingerprint and passcode. The, if, you're, if your um, device that your child uses has a fingerprint reader on it, <clears throat> especially on Android devices, uh, Samsung devices, LG devices, and especially Apple devices, you can add your own fingerprint on that device so that you will never be locked out of that device. I have heard from many parents who said that their kids locked them out of a device because they changed the PIN code. Because one, they didn't have restrictions set, and two, they didn't have a fail-safe with that having their own fingerprint stored on the device. Now, if you get a new device, you've got to do, do that again because fingerprints don't transfer from one device to another. Okay? Um, let's see. You just go through all these other different things, and when I say audit there, I mean just dive into it and look at it. You go through privacy settings. You go through game center settings. Uh, some social media accounts attach themselves in the settings app especially on iOS. So you need to look at that. Um, you need to look at what the apps are accessing. If there is an app that is accessing everything under the sun and all it's telling me is about the weather, my weather app does not need to access my microphone or my camera, right? And so you might want to make sure that you're looking at all those things. You can custom tailor those things. And this will, you go into these things, you can spend hours doing this. But hopefully... You only have to do this one time per device, okay? Uh, and then family sharing. Family sharing is what you can set up on iOS. And if you don't know about this, family sharing is really fantastic. Does anybody know about family sharing if they're using an iOS device? Okay, just a few. This is, my wife calls it the bee's knees, okay? It's really, really nice. The best part of family sharing, you can share all sorts of stuff. You can share uh, all the purchases you've made, apps and music and games, all sorts of different things. I get all of her Celtic Woman concerts that she bought back, you know, in the day or whatever. She gets all of my, you know, Metallica or whatever it is I've got from back in the day or whatever. She loves that, by the way. And so we, you, t you set up family sharing here, and you can get organized, but also this is the best part. If you have it set up with your child, no matter where they are, if they want to download an application, it sends you a notification, even for free applications. If it's free, it doesn't matter. It sends you a notification. Hey, so-and-so would like to download this app. You can click on it, you can tap on it, go look at what that app says, and you can say yes or no, right there. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to put in a PIN code. They don't have to come to you with their device, anything. It's really pretty fantastic. It's free, it's for all iOS devices, iPhones and iPads, and even Macs as well. So I'd invite you to go look in and share that. Um, find my iPhone again, if find my iPhone's free. It comes on all devices. It comes in really handy when you leave your device on the top of your car and you drive to work with it, and it ends up in the middle of the street. Not saying that ever happened to me, um, but it did. And so it's really helpful when you find your phone in three pieces, but find my iPhone still works because that little GPS chip is still connected. So it's, I know it's here somewhere. Oh, there it is. It's now in three pieces, okay? So it's really, really helpful when you need to find, locate your device. The really valuable thing with Find My iPhone is that you can, as a, as a last resort, and you should probably never have to do this, but as a last resort, you can actually wipe the phone completely. And so if you have a situation where you are just at your wit's end with your, 
child, your spouse, whoever it may be, you can actually, if you're the administrator on that account, you can log on on any computer. You can log on on your personal device. You can actually select that device. You can wipe that account. You can put it in something called lost mode, which means nobody can access it until you put in your PIN code when you find it, which is also very valuable. So I, you know, if you don't have this on your phone and you have an iOS device or your iPad or your Mac, it works on all of them, make sure you download it. Any device that you family share with, you've got on your account and you can see those devices. Okay? Uh, Android, and I'm not going to go over all these, but suffice to say you have to go to the Play Store app and turn parental controls on and create a pin. And then um, you can go and download any type. You can set those parental controls through the Google Play Store app on Android. That's really the only difference. They have a lot of similar controls as iOS. Okay? Last but not least, I want to say one last thing before we end. Um, your carrier, your Verizon and AT&T can be extremely helpful for you if you're dealing with um, some type of harassment, let's say, from one of your child's friends. Or you want to make sure that you limit data or you shut off data because you want to ground them or restrict them from that. Um, they can be surprisingly helpful if you contact their customer service. The only thing I want to um, invite you to do is to not walk into a store to do it. Um, if you walk into a Verizon or AT&T store, they're probably going to be able to help you, but those are salespeople. They're really there to sell you phones. They're really there to set up phones and really not much else. I've had so much more success calling customer service or calling them and getting them to change something for me or make a change on my account. Okay? All right. That was... Almost 90 minutes of stuff that I managed to get into 40. So I'm a little bit out of breath. But thank you all very, very much for listening. We're going to have a prayer very quickly. I thank you so much. If you have any questions, and I know you do, email me on my website or come right up here. I will be happy to answer any questions that I can for you. Um, and let's have a word of prayer. Again, thank you for letting me be here. Uh, and God bless you and all the things that you're going to be doing for your digital parenting efforts.